Hello and welcome to episode two of Look Back Live and the ME7 podcast. It starts now, the Jills states, as new head coach Stephen Clements has taken the hot seat in ME7. Tonight we will talk about that, uh, the, the games in September and October and much, much more. Hello and welcome back to the MA7 podcast. Uh, yeah, tonight I'm obviously joined, as always, by my co-host, Owen. Good evening, mate. How are you? Relieved. I don't have to check Twitter every two minutes. I'm, I'm free from the uh, the stress. Or annoy people every two minutes. Is that what you mean? Well, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't tweet anything. Oh, true. We have a debut on the show. Alex Pooley. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Happy to be here. Yeah? Good, good. How's the, uh, how's the 1893 show going? It's going well. It's been good so far. Positive, positive things happening. So really happy with it. Really pleased. Happy to be here with you boys. Good man. Good man. You're uh, Lewis. Your second appearance on the show, but obviously a regular on our weekly podcasts. Yes. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Really excited after the uh, the news earlier today. Um, yeah, excited for the future. Like Owen said, a bit of relief in terms of it's done now and we can build forward. A couple of. Uh, I say easier, a couple of nicer games to bed them in before the, the the league action starts. And then, yeah, like you say, it starts now. So, yeah, excited. Good, good. Um, yeah, before we crack on with the show then, as always, uh, we'd like to start the show to thank our, our friends at Block um, for, for film, filming and editing, as always, the ME7 podcast. I mean, the editing skills are, uh, are unbelievable. If you just go, just go and watch the, the Scott Malone interview and the comments that I always say, when it comes to Scott Malone interview, it's not about our interview skills. The comments that I get back is, how good is that interview edited by Block? That's all we get. I don't get anything about how good Scott's, Scott Malone is. I don't get anything good how we are. It is, oh my God, look at the lighting about uh, the Block are doing. I can't believe it. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty unfair. Um, the other yeah, the other mention I want to give is our sponsors, which is Daniel Construction. You can see their logo in the corner. Uh, Daniel Construction, they provide specialist services, commercial and domestic contract groundworks, uh, hard la- landscaping, including paving, edging, modular and bonded surfaces. So head over to danielconstruction.com um, yeah, for all your needs. Thanks to Laura for sponsoring this season. Um, okay, let's uh, let's crack on with tonight's show then. Um, it's a big one. It's Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be a long show because we've got a lot to get through, um, but one we're excited for. So, yeah, let's let's go back to, right back to September then, um, where it all started, Owen. Um, yeah, I, I have luckily written down the games for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's start with September then. September was two wins, two losses, and a draw. Uh, it was a loss to Grimsby. A loss, um, it was two, two then back-to-back wins. Harrogate and Morecambe, a loss to Doncaster and a draw to Mansfield. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I advise everyone listening to go back and listen to our podcast of these games for a more in-depth review because <laughs> I cannot remember. Um, yeah. You lost to Grinsby. That was unfortunate. Um, who was after that? Back to back wins Harrogate and Morecambe. Okay, they were at home, so I've got a bit of a... Bit, no. I thought you remember every single game, every single moment, and everything else you like. That's what to he tell says. Me. That's what he says, I, doesn't he? I do, but not from this year. Um, yeah, Harrogate and Morecambe were two back-to-back home games that we won, and they were two that we, you know, you look at on paper, you think you should be winning. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the Morecambe one was the one with Conor Mahoney's goal, wasn't it? Yeah, we, yeah, we were brilliant that day. Um, obviously, Morecambe scored. We scored two. We won the game. Cheers, mate. Alex, <laughs> can you pick it up, please? Uh, yeah, so um, obviously I'll, I'll go back to the Grimsby game first. I was yeah. there. Uh, as, yes, I was as I, unfortunately. Every game, unfortunately. Uh, some some of them. Um, that was probably the first time this season, or one of the first times this season where I've gone, that was awful. Yeah. What have I travelled all this way for? Um, 
But then we moved on to two home games. The Harrogate game, I don't remember as well as the, the Morecambe game. So we'll move on to that one, which Conor Mahoney's fantastic goal. But what I do remember in that game is their striker scoring an absolute worldie, which Jake Turner should have probably saved, where he chips him yeah. from sort of the edge of the box. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Mansfield game was, I mean, against a team like Mansfield to get that result was, was amazing. Probably should have won it, mm. which we'll obviously get onto with the shocking refereeing decision. But as Owen says, for a more in-depth review, Goes there, uh, their yeah. old podcast. Yeah. Um. I mean, Lewis, for the September September games, let's let's go from it an over overview point of view rather than each and individual game. And I think this is what ended up leading Neil Harris ended up losing his job was the fact of if you look at the take away the Grinsby game where it was like Alex said we were just <laughs> awful. Um. You look at the Harrogate game, you look at the Morecambe game, you look at the Doncaster game, you look at the Mansfield game. What was the overriding factor that come out of that? I know what it was. What do you, what do you, what do you think it was in terms of coming away from it, those games? I think a general overview of why Neil Harris lost his job was performances and the way we were approaching games. Um, you can tell by Brad tweeting out, I think I said on the show before, after we lost 4-1 at Walsall, in October, uh, Brad sort of tweeted out the stats of where we had a, like a lot more possession, more shots, that sort of thing, and he got a bit of stick for that. But I understood where he was where he was coming from because he was saying that we want to be approaching games in this way. Um, you know, a lot of what's been made now about Clements coming in is that he's going to be a bit more front footed. They want a complete change in style, a change in approach to what what Neil Harris is doing. And you know, you look at the Grimsby game, which you know we want to forget it, but you think now where they're in the league, they've sacked the manager, that sort of thing. Similar to Colchester when we lost to them, um, not scoring goals. You think of the Harrogate game where we scored late and we were absolutely awful in that game as well. Losing to Doncaster as well. There was a lot of frustration, I remember, uh, on the episodes at the time, talking about how we were going into every game always trying to make it a battle. We weren't trying to assert our authority on these games. And that was the frustrating thing, really, about the majority of Neil Harris's reign, I think. And just hearing you read the... The results back there is a lot of examples of, you know, remember remembering frustrating moments where I thought we could have been a bit more positive and, you know, the lack of goals and, and the approach to games was very frustrating and that was the general overview of, of the build-up to Neil losing his job, really, and his last game was at the start of October, so I suppose they were his last few matches which would have contributed to that. Yeah, do you think that's what it was, Alex? It's the fact that if you look at the Harrogate game, you look at the Morecambe game, it was a case of we weren't blowing these teams away. We were we were having to, I suppose, a, a, an individual moment of quality from Conor Mahoney got that result. It was then a scrappy 90th minute winner from Sean Williams to beat Harrogate. It was those moments that I think, do you think more alarmed people than it did not? Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously, from the outside looking in, people maybe think the ship wasn't wasn't as bad as it seems. Mm. Obviously, we were nearly third in the league. We, we were right up there. We were winning football matches. So people kind of questioned why why there was so much negativity around the manager, but it was the approach to the games and how we were playing. Yes, we were winning, but we weren't playing. We weren't playing well at all. Um, we were playing defensively at home and not really getting the fans up off their seat, not trying to win these games by blowing these teams away, which we should be blowing these teams away. Let's be honest with the players we've got the statements that have come in from the clubs and the fans, what we expect, it was nowhere near. And yes, I think Neil Harris's sacking maybe came as a bit of a shock to some. It did, but I kind of understood why, because if you look at that as an owner and even as a fan, it's it wasn't good enough. The performances and the, the results maybe, or the results more were there, but the performances were nowhere near good enough. Yeah, the Mansfield game obviously ended, ended the month I in. Um, I actually thought we played very, very, very well that afternoon um, and would have won it had it not been for probably the worst refereeing decision I've ever seen in my time going football. Yeah, um, I thought we were really good up to that point. Uh, obviously, we got the early goal from McCauley and we were in control. We were creating chances. We took apart a good Mansfield team on the counter-attack very often in that first half and we looked like the top three team that we, we wanted to be. And obviously, 
it's an example of how one decision can change a game. Um, it won't have been it won't be the only big decision in the EFL this season. It certainly uh, might be up there for the worst though. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I remember doing that podcast on that uh, Saturday night, and it was a, a tough one to get for Raffin to actually talk about it constantly. But um, you know, I think it says a lot about certain decisions, or even fans of the opposition team are thinking, "Well, if that happened to us, I'll be, you know, I'll be fuming." I, it, it went against the law book of the actual game to allow them to play advantage when he'd already got the other card out. Disciplinary procedure already started, should be pulled back. It's you know, it's common, and then. No, right the other end happened to us immediately after, but we got pulled back for it, albeit we took it from a completely different position. But still, it is just another example of the incompetence of referees in this in this division. And, you know, we're going to get a decision for us at some point, not maybe a carbon copy of it, but something as controversial and it will go in our favour. And, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But it, it just, go, again, goes to show that the people in the middle in, in these sort of divisions... You know, it picks belief sometimes, I suppose. But, you know, I came out of that game happy with our performance. Uh, felt that we deserved to win the game in the base of the first half. Second half, I think Mansfield had the better of it. Obviously, got the towers up, scoring so late in the first half, having it handed to them as well. And it, you know, you can see while they are still unbeaten in the league. Anyway, I know they lost last night in the Carabao Cup, but obviously, somebody's going to be right up there at the end of the season. And a team that, you know, we can take confidence now from the same players under new management that they can compete with those teams up there because we know we can but you know another day it would have been a statement victory if you like and they wouldn't be on this unbeaten run they're still on but you know you can't you can't really legislate for EFL officiating you know it's just something that happens very very often and something's going to keep happening because if they make a mistake they either get a week off work paid or they're just going to take another game next week there's no real accountability for it but that's the uh the league we live in, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the, the game that October started, crew, was, yeah, Neil Harris's last game in charge. Ended up Neil Harris's last game in charge. I mean, yeah, it was it was an evening that I look back on um, of we before they've even, they even scored, we should have been three or four new up. Um I suppose the question I want to put to you, Lewis, is that yes, Neil Harris lost his job on that 48 hours later, but in those previous games, obviously after Morecambe, we then didn't we then didn't win for about three weeks. How 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 much of a blame do the do the players have to have to take? Because ultimately they're the ones that cross the cross the white line, and they're the ones that are putting the ball in the back of the net, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of people sort of say that, don't they? You know, the the manager can only do so much. Yeah. Um, but also, it is the manager's team. So at the end of the day, they've got to take responsibility for that. And ironically, really, Crew was the game where I sort of thought, um, you know, I felt a bit more sympathy towards Neil Harris in terms of what was happening on the pitch because, you know, we were at times creating chances and we were missing some good chances. Uh, I made the journey to Crew that night and couldn't believe my eyes when I think it was George Lapsley missed a great chance and Macaulay Bond missed a great chance. Yeah. Ethan Coleman put ahead a wide. He had a couple of efforts from distance. Hit the post, didn't he? He hit the, hit the yeah. post, yeah, in the first yeah. half. Um, and yeah, we, we created opportunities in that one. And Crew are a really good side, by the way. I think Crew will be competing in the top seven. Um, really a massive fan of what they're doing in terms of bringing their own players through, that sort of thing. Um I don't know if you've ever been to Crew, but the yeah, yeah. stadium's weird, isn't it? Because they've yeah, got one is. massive stand, yeah. which they paid for by selling one of their academy players. So I really like the sort of method they, they take. Um, but yeah, in terms of our own performance, really, that was when I felt a bit more sympathy because I thought we were creating chances. And the the players weren't putting them away. But, you know, as you say, the, the manager has to take responsibility for his team. And... It was going on a long time. I thought this season was a fresh start. You know, we all thought it out in Como. Um, seeing Neil in the fan forums when he said himself he has he had more sort of, I don't know if motivation is the right word, but he felt like it was a fresh start with the new ownership and yeah. the new season and the back end, that sort of thing. But it was a problem when he came in in League One. We weren't scoring goals, you know. Can't blame him for that. It wasn't his team. Uh, he said at the time, you know, my strikers will always score and we're waiting for it and it didn't come. Last season, we had goal-scoring problems. I think it was seven in the first 28 or something like that. 
crazy. Uh, and then this season, when he had that fresh start, he had his team, he had the back end, it was the exact same issue. So I think that, that game really just underlined that, you know, we were having these iffy results where we weren't scoring goals. And when one went in, you knew we weren't going to win because we were very rarely scoring two or more. So, yeah, ironically, that was probably where I felt a bit more sympathy for him because I thought we played all right that night. But I can also understand why it was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, Alex, like Lewis says, final nail in the coffin 48 hours later. The, the trigger was pulled on Neil Harris, 11 games in. Um, yeah, he was relieved of his duties on that Thursday, um, 48 hours after the crew game, but 48 hours before the MK Dons game. Give us your look back on when that was announced, the statement was announced that he was relieved of his duties. What was your initial thoughts? Process? It was one of shock, I'll be honest. Um like Lewis, I made the, the trip up to crew that night and I'll be honest, when I walked away from the stadium, that was the angriest I'd been this season. But looking back and having the day when I got home to sort of sit on it, I think we played well that night and that was probably one of the performances where I thought, actually, if we play like that in the coming games, we play like that at the weekend against MK Dons, we win. And that was the type of performance that I wanted to see from us. Because we could have easily had three or four that night. And that was free-flowing. We had chances, great chances. And for the, the trigger to be pulled after that, I understand why, because it was a bad run of results. I, that's the only bit where I had that sympathy for him. Because I was a bit like, we started to see some sprouts of what we wanted to see in that game. And then, obviously, the trigger got pulled for whatever reason that may be. But... Was it too soon for me? Yes. That's why I was so shocked. I was at work and I got a text. It was from Beth saying, have you seen? And I went, no. Mm. And er and then everyone at work went, have you seen? And I went, no. What am I, what am I seeing here? Someone tell me. Um, and I, I took my lunch early to just sort of look at what, what happened because I genuinely couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I mean, I mean, we can have this conversation all night. Should he have been sacked? Shouldn't he have been sacked? I mean, I know your your thoughts on I, it. I'm the worst person to ask this. <laughs> We've probably got, me and him have contrasting opinions. So. You do have contrasting opinions. I mean, keep it short and sweet. Should he? And then we'll let you go. I've, uh, it's hard to say it now because I don't really want to dwell on it because we've started a new era. We've started a new man's in. I don't really want to talk about Neil anymore. Not because I don't like him. Did you do? No, I just said not because I don't like him. No, no, I mean is you do want to talk about it because if you look down your Twitter page, you will see a number of photos of Neil Harris. Sorry, I'll just take an interest in my close personal <laughs> friend's life. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I always check to see what you're doing, Lewis, Alex. <laughs> it's just common courtesy. Um, no pictures of me on your Twitter feed, though. Huh? No pictures of me on your Twitter feed. Maybe one day. Um, conscious of who's listening. Um, look, I was, at the time when I first heard the news, I was not happy. And I was going to write a strongly worded complaint. But look, I, I always saw both sides of it. Um, I thought the annoying thing with the, the fan base on Twitter, there was no real like middle ground in terms of debate. It was either you're extremely pro or you're extremely anti nil. Um, sounds like an advert for something else, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but look, at the time, in at the time, I thought it was early because, like Alex said, I took the positives on the crew game. I mean, look, on another day, is it Neil Harris' fault? George Lapsley misses a sitter. Is it Macaulay? Is it well, it was Macaulay Bond's fault? Um, is it Neil Harris' fault? Macaulay Bond misses a sitter in that game. They score those chances, which they should. We're probably coming away with three points. But look, I get his style wasn't always easy on the ice, shall we say? It wasn't always going to be popular but for the majority of the season the stats spoke for itself and it breathed the results and people didn't seem too bothered about winning 1-0 when it was boring but you know I guess if you want to see more attractive football which gets people up off their seats and gets swimming at the same time then obviously you're going to take that that opportunity and that's something we've done now but look, I've said before that I, I thought it was early um if it had continued, say, say for argument's sake, Neil Harris was still here now and the form kept dipping from the time he was sacked to now, I'd probably think 
okay, maybe we've got serious questions to ask because I always said when we weren't playing that great that I think the best place was to look towards December when it gets to Christmas time and then see where we are. You know, could you imagine that? Like, happy birthday, Neil, P45. Um, <laughs> happy Christmas, I should say. Happy Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, happy birthday. Do you know his birthday as well? <laughs> might, might be. Do you know where he lives? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that was always a good time frame to see where we are because obviously if you decide at that point it's not great and it's you get someone in because then at that point you've got the January window, haven't you? Yeah, so they yeah. can come straight in, they can look at the squad, see what they have to do to change it. But, you know, a decision was made. Um, since it's been made, we've probably had the same sort of results I would have expected under Neil. There's some results I think we would have got better of with Neil, but then I can't really, you can't really pin that on Keith Midden because I don't really think that's fair. But like you said, I don't think we would have conceded for Walsall. Um, I think we probably would have got something out of the MK Dons game. We certainly wouldn't have been dominated. The we way did. We, were. we won. No, the Notts County game. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think we would have been been dominated as much as we were against Notts County, despite how good a team they were. Um, yeah, the MK Dons game, we would have won. Over on Yon, I think so. You know, I agree. On the subjects of Christmas, they gave us both, both goals, didn't they? But, yeah. And, you know, they're rubbish. And um, you know, what was the, uh, the last game we played? Newport was... I mean, Newport's hard to sort there, isn't it? I think the whole event of what happened sort of changed the whole... Marred it, didn't it, unfortunately. Whole, I think you can see from what happened in the second half that it drastically affected the on-field matters. So I don't think you can really speak too much about that in terms of performance or whatever. But, you know, this hasn't been made. You know, it's called Look Back Live. And in terms of Neil, unfortunately, we're not going to look back anymore. <laughs> Lewis? Keep, st- keep it a lot shorter than him. Yeah, I just want to start by saying... <laughs> yeah, he did say that, didn't he? His birthday's in July, so literally as far away from oh, Christmas. Same as, as me. Yeah. Oh, so July the twelfth. No. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I, I think I made it clear in terms of there wasn't any progression in terms of the attacking front, and Brad has made that categorically clear. I think that he wants us to be having more control of games, be better on the eye, and a lot of people say that being better on the eye, playing good football doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get better results, but it also doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get worse results. A lot of the time in League Two, you know, there's 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 ways of doing it. If you try and play like Russell Martin did when he was in this division, then you're going to get picked apart um, in terms of refusing to go direct at times. But at the same time, I think, you know, all I was asking for really was a bit more of a positive approach when we were playing teams that we should be beating and you know, people have said to me to death on Twitter, you can never expect to win in games. But if you're going in to play Colchester, who haven't won a game yet this season, they're bottom of the league, you're top of the league, you should expect to beat them. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be an easy game, but I think you should expect to beat them. And playing in a bit more of a positive way, um, that's the bottom line, really. And we didn't see any progression in terms of the goal scoring numbers. Um, you know, we were finding a way to get results. I remember coming out of the Sutton game and thinking like, oh God, can I do this all year? You know, narrow wins. <laughs> Even that Morecambe game, I sort of accepted that we weren't going to be battering teams, but those defeats that shouldn't have been coming were happening too often for me. And, you know, ultimately we, we want to be a, a more front foot team, aggressive team, and that's not what we were. So the decision was made and I completely agree with it because I wasn't enjoying, you know, I was enjoying the results, but I wasn't enjoying watching my team play and I'd rather have both if that's possible. Yeah, fair comment. Fair comment. Um, yeah, so we can get on on to the obviously the the, the new man in charge. Um, Alex, obviously the, the games after that, MK Dons, uh, Walsall, Notts County, Swindon, and Newport were all overseen by uh, Keith Millen. Um, Keith oversaw two wins, two uh, two wins and three losses. Yeah, two wins and three losses. Um, yeah, in your opinion, overview, how how has Keith done in the interim charge? I don't think we could be too harsh on him. At the end of the day, I think it was you know a couple of days after he, he kind of ruled himself out of the running for the role the role full time. It was very clear from the get go he didn't want it. He wasn't the man, and he was just there to do the job until we found ultimately what Brad and Shannon wanted. Um, overall, I think it went okay. Warsaw was one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> um, I I could happily never go to that stadium again. Um, but I think the one that really stands out for me was Swindon. So that for me, and some will argue this, was our best performance of the season. Without question, we had... The reason I say that, we had clear 
sets of how we wanted to play in both thirds. So when we were attacking, it was clear what we wanted to do and we were defensively solid against a team that is... Charlie Austin is one of... Say what you want about him. He's one of the best players in this league and we got him out of the game completely. He walked down the tunnel when he came off. He was that frustrated ab about playing against us that he walked down the tunnel when he, when he came off. For me, that was the best performance and Millen should hold his head up high because that wasn't down to the players. That was fully down to the way he set us up. Interesting. That's yeah, that's a really interesting comment. Okay. Um let's move yeah, let's move on to the, the new the new manager then. The new manager in charge that was announced this afternoon. It was Mr. Stephen Clements. Um yeah, former Aston Villa, uh Newcastle assistant. Basically manager. anywhere Steve Bruce has been. Just keep going, yeah. Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham player, played in the <laughs> Premier League. Um obviously got promotion. Uh, out of the championship into the Premier League. Was it Aston Villa? Hull. Hull? Was that Hull, was it? Um, Jack Grealish has basically called him the best assistant manager he has ever worked for, which, interesting comment. Um, Owen, give us your thoughts on the appointment of Stephen Clements. Have you got half an hour? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Set that aside. Um, it's a hard one to really talk about because when it's very much an unknown, when someone comes in who doesn't have any previous managerial experience, you, you, you struggle to find sort of things to look at in terms of <laughs> past, you know, experiences. Obviously, you can look at assistant manager jobs, but then it's not the same thing as managing a first team. Um, but no, look, he's, he's obviously been with Steve Bruce basically everywhere. Um, Steve Bruce apparently is one of the people who recommended him to the club and He's someone who's been trying to, by you know, comments from uh, Clements, I think there's an, an article with the Athletic, uh, someone picked up, uh, someone picked up on that he did in the summer that Steve Bruce has been trying to get him to go and uh, have his first role somewhere because he's at the point where he's ready for it. Um, you know, I listened to his, his interview earlier on uh, the Jules YouTube channel. He spoke very well. Um, I thought he gave me a lot of reason to be optimistic. He seemed very intent on a front foot, uh, front foot know attractive style of play which i'm sure will uh, please a lot of people um yeah it's, it's easy to say it but are we going to see it on the pitch i have no reason to to believe we won't uh he seems very driven he's very complimentary of the players we have because we do have good players in the attacking third and yeah i'm i'm, I'm excited for for what we're going to see because obviously as much as it's you know, a bit difficult to really talk about it without having any previous to go on in terms of previous manager roles, it also makes it a bit more exciting because you're going to be the first club to experience a Clements ball uh, in a first team coach role. So that, that excites me a lot. Um, I know the argument really is, is is that you know there's a lot of people saying it's it's good because it's an unknown. This is first appointment. Then there's obviously you know, the other side of that. People not not I've not seen anyone fully against it. But I've seen people questioning the fact that. Yeah, we're bringing in someone who hasn't managed or coached at first team level before. Um, but, you know, look, there's there's examples of where it's gone wrong, but there's a lot of good examples, particularly in recent years, where it's gone very right. Uh, you know, Kieran McKenna could be on the cusp of the Premier League, whips, which, yeah. you know, and he, he worked with Manchester United. Clemens obviously has worked with uh, Manchester City. So, you know, there's precedent for it. Liam Racine is another one who's doing well at uh, Hull, I believe. Yeah. So, look, it, it, there's, there's proof that it, it can work. And, yeah, obviously we're gonna we're gonna be hoping that it follows that trend. Lewis, I saw your Twitter earlier. You are very very excited at the fact of Stephen Clements coming into the job. I am excited. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you've sort of listened to the show that I've been on recently, or seen my tweets or whatever, that I was quite on board with Scott Lindsay coming in, which wasn't massively popular with a lot of fans. I say a lot of people probably we're on the side of no rather than yes. Um, but for me, I know that he plays decent football and, you know, that's not the be and end all, but it's, it's a very handy thing to have. Uh, when Clements sort of, because, uh, you know, the rumour all goes round and we, we, we heard that he was sort of on the cusp and then it went away and then it sort of came back again. And when it sort of came back again, I was, I was really excited because uh, he wants to play that, that front foot approach. And people have said, um, you know, I hope he didn't pick up too much from Steve Bruce because, especially in his later years, I suppose Bruce was known not to have the most exciting football on the eye. But you're right to to mention the amount of managers he's played under, uh, what he's achieved. Um, 
other mentioned is with Manchester City and I've, I've just got a quote that I'd, I have to apologise because I don't know where it's from but he was talking about the intensity of teams um, can you produce that of teams lower down the league I believe you can you know he wants to be aggressive and, and try and get results that way and I think that's the positive I think Brad was very accurate and good with what he said regarding that it didn't matter if they've not coached before it didn't matter their experience it's just just the approach and I think there was always going to be some sort of question with who we brought in because Neil Harris in terms of what he achieved with Millwall where he's managing Cardiff um, where we were second until recently in terms of the form table for the league and league two you know not a lot of managers that were available you know I don't know who was pursued for example but a lot, not a lot of the managers who were available had the same sort of stature as Neil Harris and, and the record I suppose but yeah we've gone you know, it's a risk, but it's an exciting risk because he's going to bring that fresh energy. Someone who's ready for their first job, someone who's going to be aggressive, give their all. Uh, and yeah, when you compare it to the likes of McKenna, uh, Razimwar, Schumacher, Carrick, people like that, you know, you can you can hope it'll be one of them. And you know, maybe he won't be our manager in five years because maybe he'll be managing the Championship or the Premier League. You never know. But yeah, it's a really exciting appointment. Owen says we've not got too much to go off, but yeah, I'm re- I'm really looking forward to see what he can do. Yeah, Alex. Um, obviously, it took a little while. It took it took the best part of five weeks to to find a a manager. But it it all it suggests to me knowing how well we know Brad and Shannon um, and the type of people they are. Do you think? And obviously, the extensive process they they, they said Brad Brad has said himself he went through about twenty people, whittled it down to then four, and Obviously, Stephen has done something that has stood out. Um, Lewis has read the article where, and I have read the same article where he says about that he wants to play that front foot, high pressing, attacking football that Liverpool play. Um, do you think that's what's got him the job off the basis of he is probably one of the ones that looks outside the box and is something different? I mean, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons. I think what what we've seen is, and credit to Brad and Shannon, because this decision will put a lot of pressure on them. Mm. If it goes wrong, it will be there will be massive, massive uproar from from the fan base, and they've really put themselves out there in terms of how long this takes and saying we aren't going to rush this. We're going to get our man, and that's exactly what they found. Ultimately, he's said the right things. He's got the right philosophies. He's got the right ways that he wants to play football. And not just that, I'd imagine knowing Brad and Shannon, it's not just the results on the pitch, it'll be everything that he brings. Yep. So how he's going to be around the club, how he's going to be with the GFC school, the academy, how he's going to match that energy that we've seen since they come into the club, ultimately. Um, I, I'm i not sold fully, but I don't think we, anyone can be. You know, you can say you are, but he's not got a footballing CV in terms of managing himself. So this could go horribly wrong, but it could go horribly right. Yeah. And this could be the best decision we ever see in this in this in this football club and in the Gallantson era. So if it's their man, whether it was yours or not, because it wasn't mine, let's back it, get behind the boys, and hope that it's the right choice for the football club. Bang on, bang on. Okay, cool. We've had yeah, we've had quite a lot of questions in from from people that follow us. Some that we can answer now. Some that there's no chance that we can answer but we're going to give it a go um so uh i mean we'll put the first one to you to you um it's 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 a difficult one so good luck uh do you see stephen clements ditching the two holding midfielders in favor of a more attacking minded formation i didn't know you could have two midfielders have to be strictly in attacking formations uh no Um, let me just bell him quick, and I'll ask. Him. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, one, one, I think our best, pl- one of our best players, well, our best player in my opinion, is a defensive midfielder. So he's going to be in there, like being Ethan Coleman. Uh, <laughs> who else could it be? <laughs> Sorry, this looks really weird. Nick, so Nick won't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Nadderson. <instead> of... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I think you, Coleman's for me the first name on the team sheet, so he's going to be there. Um, attacking formation could easily be a four-two-three-one, or it could be a four-two. The wide cams you get on FIFA, you know those ones. 
That's four two three one still. Yeah, but or four two two two, isn't it? Something yeah, like but I don't. Uh, I don't think you need to get rid of you know, two defensive midfielders. Carmen would be there, then you've got. I'd say now he's back. You probably put Tim Deyang there ahead of Sean Williams at this moment in time. But you also, if you want to play attacking formation, you also can't just then get away from the defensive stability you want as well, because otherwise you might be really attacking, but you're going to leave yourself massively open as well. So I don't think it would be wise to really do that. If I could just buy in, I think yeah. I think Dom Jeffries has done well in there also. But I also think a lot of people want us to play this system that, like I've been said, just things about the attacking side of things where you've got Coleman and then you've got like Mahoney, Clark, Johnny Williams. And, you know, when you're off the ball, you know, I've not, I've not seen Johnny Williams play centre midfield for Gillingham. I've not seen George Lapps, I know he played sort of wide centre midfield, but I've not seen George Lapps play centre midfield for Gillingham. It's always going to be Coleman plus Jeffries, Dieng, Williams. Um, I don't think necessarily as well having, you know, if we play 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1, I don't necessarily think that means defensive midfielders. Like, Coleman obviously likes to sit, but you see Jeffries getting forward, you see Sean Williams getting forward. Um, and playing 4-4-2 as well, that, they have that licence as well. So I don't necessarily think playing that system means you're not playing attacking football. Okay, next question, Alex. Um, this is quite a, a blunt question, it's quite a difficult question to, to answer. Thanks, but, mate. Um, I'll put it in a way that's easier for you to a- answer. What can we, uh, as a football club, and a fan base look forward to now in this new era? Again, because of the lack of footballing first team management, that's a really hard question to answer. From what we've already heard, the intensity, wanting to play that forward, thinking, attacking football, I think what we'll see is a blend of how to win football games at League Two. Clearly, he must have said the right things in order to do that. Mixed in with that little bit of class in the Premier League, that little bit of oomph, that little bit of more class than you see with, I mean, Mansfield are a great team, but they're a League Two team. You know what I mean? We'll, maybe we'll see a little bit different where we've got the best blend of two. Um, again, we, we don't know until we see it. That's probably one of the most exciting bits. It's, you know, that, that old saying, what happens tomorrow? Who knows? That's yeah. the exciting part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Lewis, next question. With the appointment of Stephen Clements as our new head coach, are we now calling this the start of the true Gallanton era? His appointment, his philosophy, his vision. Yeah, I think so. I think with a lot of managers, uh, you know, when new owners take over a club, a lot of the time they do want their own manager. Um, speak about Steve Bruce. You think when the Newcastle owners went into to Newcastle, the first thing yeah. that happened was Steve Bruce left. And I know that was sort of off, off his own accord. Clements as well, I suppose, were doing part of that. Um and I know that was off their own accord, but, you know, sometimes you can walk in and have a, a good manager. You know, if Man City had new owners tomorrow, they're not going to sack Pep Guardiola. But I think the Gallinsons, this is their first decision in terms of who they want to appoint. And they've had the players coming in, you know, was was Jacket and Hesentyler recruiting for a Neil Harris team? I don't know. Uh, speaking to Alex before we started, you know, there's a lot of versatility in this team that can fit a lot of systems. So... Yeah, they've now got their own leader, the decision they've made. Obviously, it was their decision to stay with Neil for a long time, but they've got this decision now, and it's going to take a while, you know. it's not We're not going to blow Wrexham out of the water, hopefully. Uh, probably not. But, yeah, it's now, you know, sort of project manager who can lead this team going forward with, with the backing because the owners have made that decision. Okay. Um, Owen, what's your realistic expectations of success this season? Um, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on uh, Stephen Clements, but I think when Harris was sacked where he was, the amount of points he were from the top three, I think anything other than playoffs is a failure. Um, I think we have to, at the very least, be in the playoffs. Re- really, I think we should be going up on the precedence of why we sacked Neil Harris, but I don't want to put that much pressure on him. Um, look, if we if we don't end up in the in the top seven. I think when you you know, with all due respect, if you look at the teams that are in there now, I know we're only just below, but you know, Morecambe are in there. Sorry, any Morecambe fans listening for whatever reason. Um <laughs> but you know the, you have you have like sort of bubbles in this league of teams. You have your Rexhams, your Notts Counties, your Mansfield, your Stockports are probably the four that are the big four in this division, certainly in terms of 
call a team where they, you know, Stockport have won, what, 10 games on the bounce or something now. And, you know, they look certain to get one further up than they did last year. And then, you know, Wrexham, North County have the budget, so they're going to be up there regardless. But I think if the quality we've got on this team with a new leader behind it, I think if we don't get in the playoffs, I think that is a failure. I, I, I do kind of think if we don't go up, it is a bit of a failure, but I don't want to say that out what I just did. But, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Um, but look, I'll, I'll just say if we don't, if we don't get the playoffs, then um, then I, I would I would see it as a failure. I'm Can I buy in on that one quickly? Well, Slightly different perspective on it. Yeah, I do think playoffs is a minimum. However, and everyone's going to disagree with me on this. Most your fans will. If we see Clements come in and put a clear style of football in play, and he is very clear about how he wants his team to play and that there's a clear system in place, and we just miss out or we lose in the playoffs, I'd be happy with that. As long as we've got direction, as long as I see that direction that we've been promised, that new direction, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think making the playoffs, it's a lottery. The playoffs yeah. is a lottery. You, 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 yeah, you, you could have any, any manager in charge of, uh, of the team. If you end up losing, losing in the playoffs, it's, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I'm. I think I'm. I'm in agreement with Owen. I think if we, if we miss out on the playoffs, it's a failure. Unfortunately, if we lose in lose in the playoffs, it is what it is. Like the, the, you, you're then you're then effectively playing a two-legged game against one of the best teams in the league. So you haven't got a God, God-given right to go and win that, win those two games, and then win the game at Wembley. Um, but I think for me, where we sat nil, and from then the quality in the squad, from then the extensive process that the Gallantons have gone through, and Kenny and Hess and Scally and everyone else have gone through to get the manager to then lose out, would be yeah, be pretty tough I'd, to take. I'd be disappointed, and I do yeah. I do agree that it would be a level of failure, but that failure would be a little bit more acceptable if we can see that there's a clear path for this team to play next season because you look at Stockport I know they got playoffs and they lost in the playoffs mm. but you look at them this season it was very clear what Dave Chandler wanted to do there it was very clear a style of play and very clear that they were a very good football inside they had the right man so if we can see that and now this season they're blowing us all everyone out of the water apart from us at the start of the season yeah. obviously mm-hmm. um, as long as we see that if we miss out just on the playoffs if we lose in the playoffs I'll be alright Okay. No, I'll get your point I'll get your point um, who's gonna, is it your next question? Are you next, sir? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it slightly differently because it, it, it does say, should we expect to see a Klopp heavy metal style of football under new head coach Stephen Clements? And if so, we don't know. So what I will say is that let's go off what he has said in a previous article with other media outlets and he wants to bring that brand of football. The next point this person says in the question, can it work in League Two? Do you think it can? Yeah, I think it can work in League Two. Uh, I think aspects of that is the way Steve Evans likes to play football in terms of off-the-ball play a lot of the time. Uh, I remember being here for, I think it was against MK Dons, and it might have even been Russell Martin, but I think they scored early, and they scored a goal after like 25 passes or something, and then a big deal was being made of it, and we sat off, and Evans said after that there was just a sort of switch where he said, okay, we're going to press now, and... Um, I think because of the quality of players in this division, more often than not, you're going to be able to catch people out playing that way and playing on the front foot um, out of possession. I think on the ball, you know, like we say, we literally, it's impossible to predict because he's played under Steve Bruce, he's learned from Pep Guardiola, um, he's got an assistant manager, he's he's got Kenny Jacket there, Andy Hesentyler. There's so many different sort of styles, you know, Glenn Hoddle, George Graham, the people that he's sort of, learn from to build what he wants to do and maybe tomorrow in the press conference we'll hear a bit more about that but I think definitely from hearing what Brad wants and what the specification is and the way Clements talks in terms of external interviews he's done Sky Sports interview and, and the other one that I read earlier um, I think he definitely wants to play that way I'm not I'm not saying he's not at times going to shut up shot when we're defending defending a lead or you know he's not going to never play a long ball in his life but um, it's definitely going to be more front foot and aggressive. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, let's move on to the squad now then, in terms of what Clements has got at his disposal. He's already mentioned it in his um, interview with Phil today that he is, he is massively excited at the squad at his disposal. He's watched us for weeks. Um, he knows the qualities that we've got. He knows the areas that we he, he can improve. He's already said that. Um, so the question, one of the questions that we have had, Owen, is that when a new manager is appointed, it usually is a fresh start for the entire squad, meaning that players that necessarily aren't involved can be involved. Um, do you think there can be anyone that potentially might think, apart from your mate, Lewis Walker, um, may well... <laughs> Force their way in. I said to Owen on the way in, can you imagine he gets Lewis Walker, like, main striker, scoring goals every <laughs> week? <laughs> I think that's his dream. I think he dreams about it every night. Um, thing is, what we, we, everyone wants to play is attacking style of football. We've got a lot of attacking creative players, but they're not all going to fit into the team, obviously. So, you know, you're going to have debates about, like, does Johnny Williams start or does George Lapsley start? You know, if Hawkins ever comes back, we don't know. Um, if, well, when Addison will be back at some point, then you've got him, Nichols, Bond, etc. Because there's going to be a lot of competition for a lot of different places. Um, you know, there's not there's not many players who don't get in. At some, doesn't don't get any minutes every week. You know, Max Clark's probably the only one, but that's because of you know how good Scott Malone is, and it's just one position. Um, obviously, you know, we've had, we've got some of the younger players. I'm sure um, <clears throat> you know, Clemens want to take a look at. They're probably not ready yet. We don't, we think we know that, but that's why the B team exists. Um, and they'll be fine going back with Keith uh, to do uh, the B team and the youth team. Um, you know, Lewis Walker, as you mentioned, is back um, from a spell at Woking. Um, it's interesting. Someone messaged me earlier. I think they're probably joking. They're like, "Oh, Lewis Walker can um, work, uh, can't go out on out again now, so he's going to be stuck here because he's played. He'd have to. He can't play three teams in one season." But I think he may be able to go out alone again because he obviously hasn't played for us this season. He hasn't played uh, any minutes in the first team, so. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back on loan again, to be honest, uh, providing that is okay, because I don't think he's played for us. I think he would be fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's anyone it's so much outside of the squad who hasn't really got in in terms of a lot of minutes. I mean, obviously, if we go back to a back five, then Max Aime will come back in. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just going to be a good balance and a good competitive nature for those attacking-minded positions, because obviously you won't, have a team with both Lapsy and Williams, you wouldn't suspect. And you've got Jaden Clark, Mahoney, you know, and the, the strikers I've mentioned. So it'd be, be more exciting to see the players who are already getting minutes now fight out between each other rather than, you know, think of specific players who might be able to get in who haven't played a lot because I just don't think there's that many who haven't played a lot of minutes this season, really. Unless I'm missing someone obvious, but I don't think I, I, I have. Think so. um, last question then, Alex, put it to you. Um, yeah, obviously. A complete unknown from this new the, the new guy. Um, we know that the Jules fans are, I fair to say, impatient bunch when it comes to managers or style of football or whatever else they want to moan about. The pies are not hot. The pies are not hot enough down at the Rainham end. Um, they like to moan about anything they can moan about. Um, is that is that going to be an issue? Where this is not going to be an overnight thing. This is going to be a brand of football, a new style of football that probably we haven't seen here at Priestfield for a number of years. How important is it that the dual fans stay patient with this? Massively, because as, as I've just said, um, he, he, as long as he comes in and puts that clear in place, I'll be happy, but a lot of fans won't. A lot of fans will turn if we don't see sort of some sort of instant success because football is fickle at times and it's not just Jules fans, it's fans of football all across the world. Um, what I will say is it shouldn't matter. Mm. If they do get impatient, as long as he's got the right head on him, he shouldn't care because he should believe in his ability enough and believe in the process enough and you've got to believe that he's got the backing of the owners to put that process in place. So what the fans think, I know we don't necessarily have a say, but it's an important thing of having the fans on your side. And if you really lose the fans, then you can see horrible scenes. As long as he sticks to his guns and plays his own style of play and it eventually starts to work and he can win them back round, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting one. Um, yeah, I suppose, Lewis, we've, we've, we've seen it at Priestfield where fans make comments of, oh, we're not keeping the ball enough. Oh, but we're going long. Oh, but we're not doing this. And they end up contradicting themselves. Um, the thing is, is that people that sit around me, and I don't know about you, I know you've moved now, but people that sit around by me hate it when we keep the ball round the back and go sidewards for far too long. They hate that. Jules fans just hate that. If Stevie Clements comes into this job and does that on day one and will continue to do that, can you see Jules fans just getting very impatient very, very quickly if then that is not resulting into instant success straight away? Yeah, I can see a lot of frustration coming from various things. Like you said, I've moved now from the Rainer Men to the Medway stand. Um, partly because of the view, partly because some of the stuff you hear is just mental. I think, you know, I don't want to paint every Jules fan the same brush, but a lot of people, I think, just don't understand football. Um, I think people get angry when they're keeping the ball for too long. You pass one centimetre backwards and someone loses their head or they go long and they lose their head. But, you know, like you said, you can't you can't have both. Um, I think partly because of that frustration at the start of the season when we were passing to the centre-backs, then to the full-back, then to the keeper, then to the centre-backs, then going long. I think a lot of that was down to, this is probably a bit of a general statement, but it was down to Neil Harris because of you had players wanting to either hit the channels or hit the last line, or you had people like Sean Williams going into sort of left-back positions and the midfield was just empty in terms of our players. But yeah, I can see a lot of frustration, but I think, like Alex said, it's important to not always acknowledge that because... You know, this man is in charge of our of our team now because he knows what he's doing. He's the most intelligent person available for this job. That's the bottom line. And you know, hopefully people will give him give him the benefit of the doubt for a long time and back him. I'm I'm sure people will. He'll get a good reception for that Salford game. Uh you know, you'll always get people like that. But yeah, I think people that are aware of what's going on and can identify stuff like patterns of play and, and what he's trying to do, then he'll get a good back in as long as as long as it's successful, I suppose. Yeah, what I will say, before we uh, move on to our quiz that we've got tonight, a little quiz to finish off, finish off um, what I will say is that you mentioned about the fan base um, and the, the fact that you've moved. On Saturday, we obviously saw um, a completely unsavoury scene from... Um, a Jules fan. Um, I call a Jules fan. They're not a Jules fan. Uh, they never will represent this football club. Um, and what I will say for anyone that is watching tonight, um, that is not us. That is not us as a fan base. Um, we don't represent that. Uh, a massive shout out to the fan that got involved and picked the racist fan out because he is a racist. Uh, fan out and plucked him from the crowd to get him arrested um, and there have been there's been so many behaviours and things that have been said in the rainy end and through, throughout the ground from recent weeks the football club are doing an excellent job to to stamp it out but I think us as Jules fans do need to come together now um, and if we do hear or see anything or just yeah from afar or near just don't be afraid to report it even if it's someone you possibly know um, or, yeah, necessarily you you see but um, you don't agree with, you just we, we just need to get it out. We need to get it kicked out because it could end up resulting in us being points deducted and can end up missing out on the playoffs because of it. Um, so the fact of the matter is that just keep doing what we're doing as Jules fans, um, kicking it out. It's not good enough. It's... From all I've been just for nearly nearly twenty three years now, and I've never known it as bad as this. It's disgusting. It's not good enough. It's not us as a fan base. It never will be. Um, so yeah, like Joe, Brad, and Shannon, and everyone else at the football club have said it. Report it, please report it because it's it's so unsettling to see it when you're watching a game. When you're watching a game, you're thinking, oh, I walked away from the ground Saturday embarrassed as a Jules fan, and um, we just don't want it. We don't want it at our football club. Um, so I think us as a fan base, as friends, as as friends, uh, as Jules fans, just need to get together and report people um, if they're not behaving themselves inside that ground. 
So yeah, that's that's my word on it. Um, what we're also going to say before we move on to the quiz as well, uh, Glock have hit a thousand followers while being live on hit on air tonight. Um, so there is a little competition um, that he will be doing or running. Um, it's going to be he's going to be giving away a signed Gillingham football, but he's only going to be giving it away if you're following Blocked Hitchers on Twitter. Um, so if you if you haven't followed him yet or have so haven't followed Block, go over and follow him, um, and you will be within a chance of winning a signed Gillingham football. Um, Owen, and if you don't win, you'll get a signed football from Lewis Browning. Yeah, <laughs> all the more reasons weren't for me. It's true. Who you wants will. that? Who wants that? I don't know who wants that more. I want, I want the sign Lewis Brown involved now. <laughs> right, okay. So, it's when the end tonight's show. It's been a good one, but we're gonna play. Um, we're gonna play a little quiz called Higher or Lower. Your, your phone's looking straight at me, so I'm looking okay. up. Good, good man. No cheating. No, well done. No, I can see. <laughs> Did you see the or not? No, I wasn't looking. I'm good. the only one losing out here, and you I'm are losing lose. out. Unlucky. Okay, right. Higher or lower? All right. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Six questions. Six questions, all put together by me. Two each. Okay, I know. Well Look done, mate. Proud of you. I know. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Okay, so question one. Why? How? How we're gonna do it? Is I'm gonna read the question out. I got. I got that. <laughs> I'll give it ten seconds. Come to you. To you. Should, should, sorry. Or should it be like a buzzer system? Please. No. <laughs> yeah. Cop with it. Who has more Instagram followers? Tom Nichols or George Lapsley? <coughs> are you okay? Yeah. What, do we jump in or do we... Do you want to jump in or are you, you going to go round? Go round. I'll go round. Okay. Starting here. Alex, go. Uh, I'm pretty certain I know for a fact that it's Tom Nichols. Okay. I would say Nichols because he's played for more clubs. I'm pretty certain I know for a fact <laughs> now that it's Tom Nichols. Yeah. I was going to say Nichols anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it is Tom Nichols, 7,959 followers. Proud of myself, that one. George Lapsley has got 6,247 followers. He's good. Ah, well, he didn't. Should put it to him, Nick. Okay. He's a good-looking bloke as well, isn't he, Tom Nichols? He, he is. <laughs> I mean, it's giving me the weirdest look. <laughs> like, why no, no, about to our be fair, I see where you're coming for that. He is. He's a bit more of an Instagram personality than, uh, yeah. than George Lapsley. Love you, though, George. When you said that, Nick went... Who? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Follow the Twitter to find out. Yeah. Follow the Twitter to find out, yeah. Right, okay. Next question. Who is taller, Scott Malone or Connor Masterson? Connor Masterson. Malone. Malone. Scott Malone. Damn. I see that, mate. Back the quizzes. I'm just I'm I know all the heights of my close personal friends. One, <laughs> one point... Scott Malone is 1.89 metres. Connor Masterson, 1.85. Oh, I'd want to see a VAR. Malone is quite deceptively <coughs> tall. I didn't think yeah. he was as tall as he He's is. He's got long person. legs. He's got long legs. You're right. He's got long arms, hasn't he, Nick? I'm starting to get a little bit worried, yeah? <laughs> okay. In, in, all, in all competitions... Hang, hang on a minute. 1.22. In all competitions, who's played more games? Johnny Williams... Or Jaden Clark? What, for Jills or yes. overall? Yes, for Jills. In all competitions this season, who has played more games? Johnny Williams or Jaden Clark? Alex. Johnny Williams. Thank you. I mean, I'd actually say Clark. I'm going to say Clark as well. Williams has had a couple of injuries, hasn't he? It's Jaden Clark. Not good at this. Was that including like EFL Cup games? Yes. In all competitions. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Is it really a competition, though? He's played, like, 3,000 more minutes. I think Clark's at least come off the bench in every game. Yeah. Yes, William has oh, injuries. silly now, don't I? Mm. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Second. Who has... Who, uh, another set of two players. Who has also played more minutes? Shay Alexander or Ethan Coleman? Ethan Coleman. I'd say Ethan. 
going to go Coleman because I know Mackenzie played a couple of games at right back and Best player. Che went to uh, international duty as well. No. Shirt is under. Really? 1,333 minutes. Ethan Coleman, 1,286. You forgot he was banned. Yeah. I know. I remember banned. I did miss three games, didn't I? I guess I had a struggle to believe he gets in over the best part of the club. He also played in the Papa John pizza thing, didn't he? I don't know. Okay. Did we all get that wrong? You all got that wrong. We all got that wrong. Okay. Who's older? Shad Ogie or Dom Jeffries? Shad. Yeah, Shad. Yeah, Shad Ogie. Shad Ogie. Shad Ogie's 22, Dom Jeffries 21. Both make me feel a bit old now. Okay. Round it off then on the management team. New management team, Stephen Clements and Robbie Stockdale. Okay. As who's made more appearances as a player? Stephen Clements or Robbie Stockdale? Alex. I'm gonna go with Clem. Stockdale. See, I I know Clements retired early. Me and I'm gonna draw him, but I'm gonna go Stockdale as well. Stephen Clements. Hang on. Wait. Wait. Celebrations, if this is right. Has 243 appearances. Robbie Stockdale. 257 appearances. That was a big build-up because we were able to withdraw. (laughs) Tiebreaker, please, sir. Tiebreaker? Think of any random question off the top of your head. Wait, is Alex Storm with us now? Because we got the Shea one wrong, didn't we? No, he was no, I got the Shea wrong. Okay. Beth, collect your boy. Okay. I think Nick's... Is Nick going to text me a tiebreaker <laughs> oh, question? God. Nick's going to text me a tiebreaker question. Ashley Addison. <laughs> Whatever it is, it will be Ashley Addison. Or Scott Malone's arms. One of the two. No, we'll wait and see. I don't try. With him, it could be anything. It could, it, it could be. The, the, How many the, hours the, sleep did Brad Gallison get last night? <laughs> the waiting game. Who has more followers, Block or Ashton Addison? It's good content, though. It is good. Great content. <laughs> waiting it. <laughs> it's so much to spend <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's not oh. football related. I'll oh tell you for God. an hour. No. It's not football related. Or are you good on music? No. He's literally, he's, I don't know if he still does, present radio shows. Mm. Depends what. Yeah, me and Nick's age are a bit different. So. I'm going to wait until he actually asks the question. Oh, did he not send you the question? He sent me the first part of it. Two parts? <laughs> right. In 1997... Celine Dion graced our screens with My Heart Will Go On. So how many lead panels are that around the ground? 142 or 156? (laughs) (laughs) He's so proud of himself as well, you know. He's so proud of himself. Let me read the question out again. In 1997... Celine Dion graced our screens with My Heart Will Go On. So how many LED panels are there around the ground? 142, 156. Is it related or is it? You do realise this funny. is absolutely, the first part is absolutely not related. It's the second part. What are the options? 142 or 156. Do you know? No. <laughs> uh, I'll just take 142, you take 156. All right, yeah, deal. Yeah. Lewis Brandon wins it. 156. This is why I'm signing the football. For the record, I knew that. I, I no, you didn't. Because I knew that. Oh, did you? Yes. No, you didn't. I, I oh, that's convenient that. how you're not those, a part of it. It was one of those pointless bits of information that you pick up one day and I just yeah. sort of remember it. Where would you have possibly heard that? He didn't know it. He didn't know it. Don't worry about it, Albert. Don't help me like that, boys. Okay. Let me have the win. So I don't get out what Celine Dion had to do with that at all. Nothing. I think. I think. I think what it... I think what we have found out is that Nick is a massive, massive fan of Celine Dion. That's, that is what it is, I think. Okay, um, an interesting and wonderful way to wrap up 
tonight's proceedings. Just get a camera on Nick for the next episode, by yeah. the way. I mean, he could probably spin I it right now. <laughs> genuinely think that that would be a great second part of this. Yeah. Just have a camera on him throughout the whole thing. I think what we will do... All night I've been laughing. I think what we will do is that we will get Nick on the show now, are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we are going to get Nick on the show now. <laughs> Does he, need a, does he need a microphone? Does, does, you need a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mate. Thank you for that. One of, we will happily get you properly on the show, maybe one one evening or one afternoon. One day. One day, maybe. Hey, thanks, Nick. Um. Anyway, yeah. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for, thanks for tonight. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Hope, Thank hope you. you enjoyed it. As always. As always speaking to you guys. Cheers, mate. Are we? He's asleep. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. I think you are, mate. Yeah. Lewis, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, mate. Been a pleasure. No problem. No problem. Get Nick to sing us out. Oh, we'll go on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for all watching tonight. You've been watching the ME7 podcast, Look Back Live, episode two. The new era of Stevie Clements has begun. Good night.